Hello and welcome on to another episode of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So we've gotten some, we'll call them preliminary games, I don't think preseason games is the right word to describe these, but uh, tune-up games I guess is the correct phrase. And we've had a few of these happen already. Players are back. Um, there's some guys uh, coming in and out of the bubble for numerous amounts of reasons, family or otherwise. But we've got a good kind of sense at this point as to how the NBA is going to look when the regular season starts back up again, as well as the playoffs. And so there's just a few observations of the restart that I wanted to just kind of touch on really quickly. It's not going to be too long of a podcast. Just kind of how the game uh, is operating now that there's no fans in the arena. And I also want to get to a few pieces of league news, including a new coaching hire and some players that uh, have returned. So let's start out with some of my observations, my preliminary observations. So the first thing that I noticed and I, I can't remember what the actual first game was, but I think it was the Magic versus the Clippers. And there was a couple things that I saw right away. So the first thing that I saw was the Black Lives Matter phrase on the court. I thought that that was very nice. Uh, again, a lot of the things that the NBA is doing in terms of trying to support the Black Lives Matter movement along with the players is not necessarily about the actions themselves, although the actions are the starting point and are very important. But I think what's really going to get the conversation going is the the talking points that come along with these actions. So what I mean by that is we've got, you know, Charles Barkley, Draymond Green, Kerry Champion uh, on NBA on TNT talking about some of these issues. We've got uh, some of the broadcasts talking about some of these issues as well. And that's going to continue, you know, when you see a lot of the names on the back of the jersey. There's going to be a talking point for some of these local and uh, national TV broadcasts to be talked about. And that is, to me, ultimately the goal here. And I think uh, on the one one game, the Wizards broadcast was pretty much talking about nothing but the Black Lives Matter movement and pretty much ignoring the game altogether, which is fantastic because, as I said on the previous podcast, that seems to be what the goal uh, is after here, and that is just getting the conversation going uh, outside of just you know having the the Black Lives Matter messaging on the back of the jerseys and on the court, but having the broadcast talk about it, having uh, you know the NBA on TNT talk about it, and then having it resonate you know more on social media as well. And I think that that is going to be a fantastic way to keep uh, the momentum going with the Black Lives Matter movement, as we know just how important that is at this point. And uh, you know even the Toronto Raptors rolling. Through with the big Black Lives Matter uh, branding on their bus uh, through Florida. I thought it was a great gesture as well. So uh, there seems to be no shortage of social justice messaging going on uh, through through this restart, and that should put a lot of players' minds at ease because I know as the season was, you know, as the the NBA PA was meeting and the players were getting together to talk about these things, that was one of the concerns that some of this uh, social justice messaging was going to kind of get lost in the shuffle of the NBA restarting and uh, the NBA and the players themselves have done a great job in making sure that that isn't the case. Uh, so I commend them for doing that as well. And, you know, even the players, I want to touch on them as well. Like uh, I know 
Paul George and Marcus Smart, and there's probably a couple others, but these are just two specific examples that I remember seeing. They didn't even answer post-game questions. They just basically went straight to justice for Breonna Taylor, uh, and you know that's just another way that they can keep the conversation going by making sure that their voice is heard when it comes to these issues that uh, really matter amongst uh, the black community and uh, the community of the United States and across the world. So I thought that that was really good there uh, from the NBA and the players. Uh, The next thing I noticed was the sponsorship branding still visible on the podcast. So it looks like there are still brands uh, that are looking to get uh, their, you know, their dollars worth and the NBA obviously receiving revenue from that. So that is good to see that there's still brands uh, interested in placing their logos, uh, you know, kind of in the background, uh, much like you would have a regular NBA game. But I guess uh, the the idea being that it won't be fans uh, in the arena seeing it, it'll be on the broadcast. So I did see uh, a number of different, uh, uh, you know, just kind of marketing and branding initiatives uh, outside of uh, the social justice ones, but just uh, you know traditional big corporate companies looking to get their uh, you know their marketing dollars in, and they did so by uh, putting their message on the NBA's uh, you know you know backdrop, I guess, or whatever you want to call it in the arena. So that is still uh, something that exists there. Something else I noticed here too is there's still an attempt uh, to make. Uh, or create, I should say, a home court advantage uh, for whoever the home court team is on the schedule. And there was a number of things that actually they actually did to do that. Um, so on the uh, the in arena PA, they emphasize a home team player scoring. So if a home team player scores, it's uh, it's like or has a dunk, it's a uh, you know ju 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 jam. Whereas uh, if the away team player scores, it's a simple just you know James Harden. You know, kind of thing. So, you, I, if you if you've been to an NBA game, you know what I'm talking about uh, from that aspect uh, at least. Another thing is like the defense audio chant uh, in the background is still going. So, if the home team is on defense, there's still the defense, defense. Again, if you've been to an NBA game, you know what I'm talking about. It's a very poor representation of how that actually sounds in real life, but you get the you get what I'm trying to articulate there. And uh, specifically because I've been to so many Toronto Raptor home games, I noticed that I could hear the initial sound, or uh, sorry, initial song that the Raptors will use when they uh, before they tip off, and that was actually playing in the background. So they're really trying to emulate as much uh, of the home team experience as possible, right down to what the home team is used to seeing and hearing, uh, you know, before they would play a regular home game under, uh, you know regular circumstances and obviously we're not playing under regular circumstances as of right now and the last thing i noticed uh, in an attempt to simulate home court advantage is uh, the big team logo in the background so whoever the home team is uh, will have that big logo in the background as well uh, but there's no another thing too is there's no jumbotron so there's no big jumbotron hovering over the top the players are just kind of um, gonna have to you know, I know some guys look up at the Jumbotron to see their stats or whatever, and I don't think that that really makes that big of a difference. I mean, they still have uh, the running timer on the top of the backboard uh, as well as the shot clock. So those two things will be, you know, readily available. And I think they've got, uh, you know, the running timer as well somewhere else inside of the arena. So I don't foresee that being too big of an issue for the players to adjust to. I think that's going to be just fine for them. Um Getting to the quality of the of basketball, you know, I actually didn't think it was too, too bad. 
There was a couple, like, I think the Nuggets versus, uh, I don't even remember who they were playing, but the Nuggets opening game, um, they had, like, 11 turnovers in, like, 16 minutes. So that was pretty bad. That, that got to be, like, whoa, like, okay, we're getting a little sloppy out here. And there was some instances of, you know, sloppiness, you know, just kind of driving into traffic, losing the ball, guys losing their handle a little bit. You know, but overall... I thought the quality of play was, you know, pretty crisp. Uh, a lot, a lot of guys showing that they can still, you know, make shots. Uh, Paul George had a nice uh, start to his, uh, uh, to his game, which looked pretty good. And uh, there's a couple others, you know, even uh, you know James Harden had the step back working in his game against the Raptors. So a lot of a lot of guys are still, you know, uh, you know, up to speed, and it's it's actually quite impressive to considering, you know, a lot of these guys haven't played competitive basketball five on five at least in like three months and even before that some of those guys weren't even you know able to touch a basketball or get shots up so in that little training camp camp tune-up time of like a, a week two weeks whatever they got uh the fact that they were able to get themselves back up and running this quickly to where it looks like almost a regular season game and uh you would have if you hadn't told me that all this you know coronavirus and quarantine stuff had gone on you told me this uh, was a regular season uh, continued, then I, I, you could have fooled me because a lot of the guys looked pretty sharp, you know, in my opinion. And uh, obviously, you got to see some of the stark changes, uh, you know, in some guys like body composition and stuff like that. Like James Harden looks skinnier out there, you know, Bomba put on like 20 pounds of muscle. We talked about that in some of the in the past podcasts of some of the guys having uh, some body composition changes, and those were pretty clear out there as well. Uh, but overall, I thought the I thought the quality of play was was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was solid. Again, a little bit of sloppiness, but you know, all things considered, I thought it was pretty sharp. And uh, you know, that just goes to show you just how good NBA players are. They can. Uh, it's really like muscle memory for these guys. Once they're back in the gym and uh, you know have that time to get back up and running, they they can uh, ramp back up to you know elite level performance uh, pretty much in no time. So uh, kudos to them for uh, being able to still continue to deliver a good quality quality basketball product and uh, I I think we're going to see some good basketball down the stretch here as well. Okay, let's get into a little bit of league news. Again, this is not going to be a long one. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, kind of get my thoughts out about the original uh, or not the original, but the uh, the preliminary uh, sights and observations uh, of the new basketball uh, league now that there's no fans. Also, I actually want to put in one other thought. I wonder it just kind of came to my head here. I wonder if players are going to be more willing to dive for loose balls. And not that they aren't willing right now, but the reason I say that is because there's no chairs. There's no courtside chairs or anything like that. And I'm sure that one or two players have definitely had, you know, second thoughts about diving into fans in the front row trying to save a basketball. Uh, you know, because not only the safety of themselves, but the safety of the fans, you know, spilling drinks everywhere. It's just kind of a conscious thing. Like, it, it's just, it's not like you just don't think about that when you go and, you know, try to dive and try to save for a loose ball. You know, like some guys probably don't think about it, but others probably are thinking twice. And now that there's so much space, you know, behind the backboard, you know, on the sidelines, I'm wondering if there's a little bit more willingness to go and, you know, dive for, you know, loose balls or try to save them or, you know, uh, sprint you know, the lateral side of the court to try and save a ball. I just wonder if that factors in at all. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. I just wonder if that's something that goes through the players' minds, given how much extra space they have along the sidelines and the baseline now uh, with no fans. So just something to keep in mind uh, as I keep going forward here. <clears throat> all right, let's get into some league news. Um, the first thing that I saw is that uh, Oladipo, Victor Oladipo, after originally 
thinking that he was not going to play in the bubble. It looks like he's actually playing now, uh, which is good to see. Uh, I love Victor Oladipo, love his game, love to see him getting back, uh, hopefully back to his 2018 All-NBA form where he was uh, a fantastic player and really led that uh, Pacers team to, you know, if you remember, seven games against uh, a LeBron James team that went to the finals. So, uh, I really would like to see Oladipo get back to that form. That would be really exciting to see, uh, but good to see him playing nonetheless. And staying in um, uh, in Indiana here, it uh, looks like uh, DeMontis Sabonis has suffered a significant foot injury uh, that forced him to leave the bubble uh, to get medical treatment. And that's definitely a blow for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, you know, Sabonis obviously an all-star this year, uh, close to, you know, 20 and 12 this year with, uh, you know, four or four or five assists. I don't have the numbers off my head. Um, but he gives the Pacers a dynamic uh, there. A guy you can kind of throw it to at the elbow, work a little bit offense off of, you know, can run some pick and pop. You can run pick and roll with him. Uh, he's He's got a little bit of a post-up game as well. And obviously just kind of delivers a different uh, type of look uh, at the center spot as compared to a guy like Miles Turner, who Miles Turner is more of a pick and pop from three type of guy, more of a, you know, kind of an athletic defender at the rim, but maybe not as good, you know, of a, of a post game and things like that. So, and obviously those two guys played together some as well. So we'll see how Indiana chooses to fill that role. I don't think that there's any clear option at the moment. I wonder if they're going to go, you know, uh, you know, three wings maybe, uh, and uh, and a center. Again, they don't have Jeremy Lamb either, who uh, you know tore his ACL in that Raptors game, which is unfortunate. So I wonder how the Pacers are going to fill that role. But Sabonis a massive loss and really puts a hit, uh, you know, in even their first round hopes in the playoffs uh, against whatever team they might face. So we'll see what happens there. But big loss there for Indiana, uh, losing the services of Demontis Sabonis. Another player that returned, Andre Robertson, was playing against the Boston Celtics with no minutes restrictions for the first time in like, I think this is like more than two years He's since he's last played basketball. It was really good to see him back and playing. I thought he might never play basketball again, just considering all the setbacks he had. And, you know, at, at some point you were just asking yourself, like, is he ever going to play again? There was definitely a time where I kept asking myself that question. But he's back on the court now, back playing for the Thunder. And my the first thought goes to my mind is, where does he actually fit in the rotation? We know uh, Robertson's uh, strengths and weaknesses, right? Uh, elite defender, elite on-ball defender, uh, one that uh, can provide somewhat of a stopper mold for the Oklahoma City Thunder and, uh, you know, a mold of player that they don't necessarily have on their roster in terms of a guy that can go out there and... Uh, you know, do his best job shutting down the opposing team's best player. That is definitely valuable, no doubt. But we also know the offensive struggles that Robertson comes with as well. The the lack of three-point shooting, the lack of, uh, you know, being able to do something with the ball in his hands. And, you know, the fact that, you know, him standing in the corner doesn't necessarily pose much of a threat uh, for the defense. That's a shot that they'll let him take a lot of the time. And so you wonder how that will muck up the spacing if he does end up cracking the rotation, especially considering the fact that he hasn't played basketball in over two years. He's going to get, you know, a couple games uh, of tune-up, seven regular season games, and then we're right into the playoffs. So I'm I'm not 100% sure he's going to be playoff ready. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but uh, it would be hard-pressed for me to believe that he's going to get some serious minutes in the playoffs just given how long 
uh, of time off he's had, and even if he was fully healthy, that uh, that lack of that lack of spacing and that offensive uh, inability to you know be a threat uh, really could hurt the Thunder uh, on offense. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's possible that he gets some spot minutes, but I don't expect him to be a big factor. But nonetheless, it is good to see him back up the, back out there and playing again. Uh, I uh, I wish him nothing uh, but the best, and hopefully he can resume. Uh, playing and have a, uh, a very illustrious career for Andre Robertson. Okay, uh, in Portland, Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic are both playing for Portland after their respective injuries. Uh, Collins with a shoulder injury uh, earlier in this regular season, and Yusuf Nurkic obviously coming off that gruesome leg injury from last year. Both of those guys are back in the lineup for the Portland Trailblazers. And you wonder if this is going to be enough to get them, you know, uh, into that play in, uh, you know, two game play in tournament where they've got to win two games against the eight seed. I, again, they've got to, they've got to out battle a few teams here. You still got Sacramento, still got Phoenix, still got new Orleans. And I wonder if the, if that is going to be enough. We'll see it because again, you're, if you're Portland, you're balancing this, right? It's like, okay, do we really want to push Nurkic coming off an injury as much as possible to try and get into this play in tournament where we got to play Memphis for two games? Is that really something we want to do to try and rush him back? Like that's that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it is as much as they want to just kind of use this time to make sure that Nurkic just kind of getting his legs under him and prepping themselves for next season. Uh, I don't necessarily know what the motive is for Portland there, but uh, again, much much like Robertson, it's good to see uh, Nurkic back. Good to see Zach Collins back, and uh, and who knows? Maybe those guys can make a difference enough for them to go on a mini run here and try to get into that play-in tournament and see if they can sneak into that eight seed. Uh, it's definitely possible. And the last bit of news here before we wrap up uh, what's going to be a short podcast today is Tom Thibodeau has signed a five-year deal to become the head coach of the New York Knicks. In- interesting decision here from the Knicks. I mean, uh, Tom Thibodeau, obviously, we understand what he is. He's a, he's a hard-nosed coach. Uh, he's a guy you can hear yelling from the sidelines uh, to ice ball screens to, you know, go set a screen on offense. He's a defensive-minded coach, a coach that's not uh, afraid to play his players a substantial amount of minutes. Uh no matter the circumstances. So we'll see what goes on here. Uh, maybe he can set a culture there. It's possible that he could set a culture there. Um, but for me personally, I still think that the problem with the Knicks uh, lies much higher than the coaching ranks, uh, in my opinion. There's still a problem that lies uh, in with the ownership group uh, and James Dolan, in my opinion. I still think that that is the root you know, of, uh, of the problem there in New York. You, you, and, you know, you can get a great coach in uh, – you know, uh, I'm not saying Tom Thibodeau is a bad coach, but uh, I believe he's been fired in every job that he's ever had, uh, which, you know, obviously says something there. And on top of that, you still have to get the requisite players to come and play in New York. I mean, I, I does Tom Thibodeau move the needle for the New York Knicks to go out there and get uh, a star that they've been, you know, so searching for for so many years? Is is he the is he the coach that goes out there and says, "Oh yeah, I want to go play for Tom Thibodeau." I don't know. I don't know if he moves the needle like that. And if that's not and if if that's the case and he doesn't, then, you know, it's great that you have a, you know a hard-nosed coach that can maybe, you know, set some sort of a, a culture at the players level. 
but you still need those requisite players. You still have to develop, you know, your your draft picks, you know, your Kevin Knox, your your RJ Barrett's, your, your Mitchell Robinsons. Those guys still need to have some development uh, for this team to be any good. And, you know, on top of that, you need free agents. Like, you need a, a guy that's going to come in there and be a leader, you know, for the New York Knicks. And I just, uh, I don't know that Tom Thibodeau moves that needle. Uh, I don't know that he comes in there and makes a massive difference to where the Knicks are now, uh, you know, respectable competing, uh, you know, for the playoffs in the East because of, you know, his defensive system or, uh, you know, his ability to get players to buy in. I still, I just think that you're going to need more player personnel uh or player development within the team, or most likely both, in all honesty, uh, for the Knicks to get back into respectable territory. And even deeper than that, I think that the problem lies at the top with James Dolan, and I don't think uh, I don't think Thibodeau changes that. So I don't want to put this and say uh, on Tom Thibodeau and say it was a bad hiring. I don't I don't necessarily believe it's a bad hiring. But I also don't believe it moves the needle because I think the problems are rooted uh, in player development, in lack of ability to get a star free agent and a leader that's going to help some of the young guys on this Knicks squad. And uh, I think ownership is still a problem, uh, starting with James Dolan and uh, and moving down. So that's my opinion on the Thibodeau on the Thibodeau sign overall signing overall. So thanks so much uh, for listening to what was a short podcast today, but just kind of wanted to uh, regurgitate my thoughts and get them out there to you guys. Uh, we're going to start uh, obviously doing this once a week once the uh, the real games start up and running. I didn't want to analyze too much, you know, basketball where it's, you know, more so getting your legs under them. A lot of guys are just, you know, they're feeling they're feeling out the court. They're feeling out how it's like to play again. Um, there's not really too much to be read into a lot of you know what's going on right now uh, other than just the overall quality of uh, of the basketball in my opinion like uh for example bull bull had like 16 and 10 and six blocks like okay that's fantastic this is but this is now bull bull's like second you know scrimmage game he hasn't even played a regular season game like are we really going to extrapolate that and say he's bull bull is going to be uh you know some go-to player for the denver nuggets in the playoffs and you know leapfrog uh, you know, Mason Plumley and perhaps even playing with Jokic, like we're just getting way too ahead of ourselves for two, you know, preseason or, you know, or sorry, not preseason, but tune up games. Uh, so I don't want to put too much stock into any, any individual performances that happen here. Just kind of get a big picture overall idea and kind of move forward for there from there. So thanks for listening. And uh, we will be back soon time when uh, the regular season starts, which uh, happens to be in about uh, less than a week. So We'll see you soon. Happy basketball.